0: Burrow fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the
1: way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Pass is caught. Next. touchdown. Who's ready to talk to zero RB with Mister Zero RB himself, Sean Siegel? That's what we're going to do on today's episode. Obviously, we talk zero RB all the time on the podcast with Sean. The 0RB list just hits differently. And I I joke about this all the time, but it's the most questions I get like for any specific article throughout the year. And it's always like, you know, people message and I don't want to bug you, but when is it coming out? I'm like, I'm going to ask Sean. I'm going to ask Sean. So uh, it is out. Three parts is normal. 15 candidates ready to erupt in 2023. So that is what we're going to do. I know how much work Sean puts into this every single year. And I know he wants players to succeed for the road of his community for the subscribers for everyone that uses the list so the question i ask sean each and every time is does it feel like there's a weight lifted off your shoulders at this point after you've got it out there into the into the wider world yes and no
2: because you know as soon as it's out then you're watching the news because some of these guys are i mean there's a wide range of outcomes Right, there's And contingency one based positive plays. move
1: can change it so, so quickly, and one negative move can change it in the complete opposite direction.
2: It can. It can. I had one player on here who I mentioned usually would probably be on the watch list instead of the countdown itself. And then within the first 24 hours after releasing, the situation for him, at least, again, on the surface, got a lot better to where I've been loading up on him in drafts. By contrast, there are two players who I think have actually been hit pretty hard, even just in the last three or four days, and now are more or less do not drafts, and so that part is tricky, and I always like to do an update if I have time, certainly if there is news that is going to really move some of these players, and so this week there will be an update for everyone drafting on the big Labor Day weekend, but yeah, Colin, It was a wait, but it was just, it was so much fun. It was such a great experience to write this season. And, you know, when you go through some years where people are asking, you know, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? It it reinforces to you that you better do a good job, right? You better take it seriously. So I was joking with someone that the write-ups for each of the 15 guys have gotten a little bit longer. And it is important to do it in three parts. Otherwise, it would be extremely long. But yeah, but it was a labor of love. And I think that, you know, working through it is always very helpful for me, both of the guys that I am really strongly recommending. And then some of the players where I want people to understand just what the upside would be if that guy hit. Connor was joking with me that one of the, the write-ups on here was the most lukewarm recommendation he'd ever seen on the list. And I thought that was both funny, accurate, and then also it reflected kind of what I was going through when I was trying to pick that guy and sort of you know, arguably the last person to go on the list. One of the things here that is always a little bit tricky is how many players do we want to put from an individual team if we're actually loading up on the team kind of across the board? And the three teams this year that really fit that category would be the Chicago Bears, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, because they have multiple interesting players, all of whom are relatively cheap, Due to the fact that they have multiple interesting players, but you do expect the individual guys to score when they get a chance because in all three of those cases the actual running backs on the roster do seem very talented and then the the offenses themselves also seem like they're going to score a lot of points and so you want to have some exposure there, you know, you can put all the guys on you can leave all the guys off you can split the difference and so working through that is interesting. How many of those people do you wanna include? And then where are you gonna go for some of these extra ones? But column today, we're going to look at, I think three specific names. Last week we did a show talking about big picture. How do you find these guys? What are the profiles? What are the traits that we're really looking for? So if you wanna do it yourself and you don't necessarily, not that you don't buy my research, but you want it to be your team and you feel like you have the best chance of finding the guys who are right for you, you know, we have that show out there for you so you can figure out how to do it for yourself. But today we're going to look at three and, and college is kind of, you know, taking a step back and appreciating not just the fact that the zero RB list is out and done, but there are a bunch of other fantastic articles out on the site over the last week. Matt Irby, one of our new writers, doing a fantastic job. Bjorn Yang Vernet has been absolutely extraordinary with his work this offseason. We're about to get a new article by Blair today. Curtis Patrick released his hero RB guide and roster construction preferences. Jake Bose has been another new writer for us who's doing some really cool work with Best Ball ADP. I mean, I'm obviously biased, but having been, you know, with the site for 11 years, I mean, this might be our best week of content we've had. And so it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying 2023, as you know.
1: Sean, bringing the fire, possibly the best week of content on RotoViz in its history. That is a that's one of the, bo- people come for Sean's bold takes, that is a bold take for all the stuff that's coming. but it's always awesome to see new writers join the site, see their journey, see how they work through their processes, and uh, fantastic stuff all week, and uh, I do agree with Sean, the content is second to none. Sean, lots of challenges when you're doing this list, and some of that is, we've talked a lot about the change in running back landscape, and how things have changed in terms of ADP, how that may also affect. Who qualifies on this list because of where players are now going? But you did mention at the show we did last week, talking about how to find those players, those profiles. Would highly recommend it. We also did a FFPC main event draft, which is now available as well. So I would say head on over and check that out. Sean has been running the contest to draft with him over at the FFPC. I will be getting in t- doing the draw today, and I will be getting in touch with the winner. So good luck to everyone who has participated. We have been blown away by the reviews, the amount of reviews for both the Stealing Bananas podcast and the Road of His Overtime podcast on different podcast feeds and so on. But it's it's been amazing, Sean, to get that response. But we will be announcing the winners on a future show. I'll be reaching out to them this week. Sean will be drafting with them. And we are working on something that Sean brought to me before today's show, which would be very, very exciting if we make it happen. So not able to announce it as of yet, but stay tuned to my Twitter feed, which is at Overtime Ireland this week to see potential more details and uh, i would also say to subscribe to the road of his youtube channel because we are currently just a couple of clicks away from two and a half thousand subscribers over there but sean that's enough plugs there <laughs> to get it out of the way but let's get into the, the zero rb list i think we start with part one technically which is 15 through 11. so
2: colin these are players you can draft toward the end of your drafts and again you want to know what adp you're looking at what the price ranges are for your specific league i dropped a home league draft plan last week and matt wrote some really cool pieces that give you great targets for home leagues as well when we're thinking about ffpc redraft leagues we're going to see different prices in that say you know running back 50 range than you are an underdog where obviously the you know QB two tier is pulled way up because of the structure of best ball. So you want to make sure you understand where you're going to draft these guys. But these are players who are going toward the end. colin out of these five players, do you have a personal favorite that we can break down on the show today?
1: I do. And I, Sean, as we go through this, I know you're going to ask me which is my favorite in each list, and it may be a little bit of a cop out. But I tend to think that the guys who are the top name on each list are the the guys that are probably going to be the most interesting to talk about. I think. It's number eleven, Tajay Spears. I think really, I still think Derrick Henry has has stuff left in those legs. But when you look about the player, the profile, even you know, when we want to balance out what's happening in preseason, but any concerns that we may have had about Spears and his you know health and his knees and so on and so forth, you know, he's been able to show that he is translating to the NFL level instantly. They're in a team who is going to be pretty much a run 1st offense moving into play action. And you're in a situation where I think there'll be standalone value for him. We've seen him with some of that explosiveness in the preseason. But look, we don't want injuries to Derrick Henry. But an aging running back, lots of tread on the tires. If he is to miss time, Taji Spears just becomes uh, such a massive, massive boom for any team that would have him on the roster.
2: And you select Spears there. He is a personal favorite of mine as well. I think he is my number one player in underdog in total exposures.
1: Number one? Hit me with a percentage approximately.
2: Well, he's fallen down below 40% now because in the last... Fallen
1: below 40%.
2: Right. And that's over about 65 drafts. So it's not an insubstantial number of drafts. He's gotten a little bit trendier as of late. And one of the reasons that I am not overly worried about the really high exposures in the first you know, half to two thirds of draft season is that you anticipate those guys getting more expensive and not really fitting as well down the stretch. So I may not get too much of him the rest of the way, but you look at him and it, the reason that I have so much is I have him undervalued by about four rounds. And when that's the case, he's often the top guy <laughs> available to you when you're looking for a running back late. His situation there behind Derrick Henry, I don't think is that much different or that much worse than the situation of Charbonnet behind Walker, of Bigsby behind ETN. In some ways, you could argue that it's better because those other backs are behind young stars, whereas Derrick Henry you know, could be at the end. You say maybe that matters a little bit more for Dynasty than it does for Redraft, but one of the things that people tend to forget when they're playing Redraft, and one of the reasons why the zero RB list has always been so effective is that... Whatever trend you expect to eventually play out in dynasty has to happen in an actual year. let's say, a redraft year, right? And when it does, that's when you win. So to have that kind of a thesis for Spears though, we we do need to have him as an elite talent. And you go through there, you got a two hundred and one pound back, small school, spends four years in college. So what are we looking at as the positives here? where? I mean, he's got a, a high breakaway rush score. I mentioned him in con- contrast to Jay Ajayi here because that was a player with some similar health concerns. Yep. But the breakaway rushes, you'd love to see. He's got an 85th percentile backfield dominator rating. And that's third best among the serious prospects. Again, encouraging sign for a guy who has size and maybe competition concerns. 90th percentile explosion score, that 39-inch vertical in there averaged almost seven yards per attempt in college, including 6.9 over 222 attempts his final year. His stuff rate is good. His after contact average last year was above Bijan Robinson. And you know, again, it's against a slightly different level of competition, but Tulane was good and they played some good teams. And when you think about how he closed the season with a 17 carry, 205 yard four touchdown performance to win a bowl game over Southern Cal, when he's facing some of the tougher competition, and some people are just like facing a Pac-12 school is not tough competition, <laughs> but when you're facing these Power Five schools and you're putting up that kind of score, it highlights that it's not really a competition element that's allowing you to generate some of these numbers, right? So it ends up huge numbers overall. He finishes with forty-seven college catches. His 2.0 yards per route over the final year is up there at the top of the class as well. And, you know, I don't think that he's the same level of receiver. I don't think that he is the same type of long run threat that a Jameer Gibbs is, for example. But, I mean, he could be the second best pure runner in this class after Bijan Robinson. And one of the plays that we got to see in preseason here, we want to be sure that we don't, overstate what we see in the preseason and yet some of these guys who are flashing and when they're demonstrating the exact same thing that they demonstrated in college i i do think that that's relevant and it's encouraging to see he has a 33 yard touchdown run in the second week of preseason where i mean he hurdles multiple defenders at the line of scrimmage without slowing down and you think about again kind of this contrast and i don't want to continue to pile on Najee harris but harris is one of these guys very athletic and does vault a lot of players And that part of it is really cool. But in almost all of those cases, right? I mean, he stops, he jumps over the guy, he stops, and then somebody else comes and tackles him. right? He doesn't go for 33 yards and a touchdown because he didn't even break stride. I mean, Spears did it so fluidly, so effortlessly. That transition to the NFL level, and again, I mean, you're not necessarily facing the star defenders from the opposing team, all of that kind of thing. But I love how he fits as an elite complement to Derrick Henry. I think he's going to have more standalone value than people are projecting. But even if he doesn't, and it's certainly possible that he will come out there and just give the ball to Henry every single time. As the season goes along, he's going to be somebody who is always in the mix to jump out and start being that guy with standalone value. And then certainly in the case where Derek Henry gets hurt like he did two years ago, I think we'll see a very different Titans offense than we did then. Spears is going to go out and be a league winner for you if that happens. You want to make sure you have some exposure again in the right situation at the right prices. We like Spears a lot.
1: The other part as well, Sean, I know teams are going to want to win all season long, but if this team is doing well as the season starts, they are projected to they're not the favorites, but second to the Jaguars to, to potentially win that division. And with that in mind, if you're thinking about this team potentially thinking if they ever run in the playoffs, it is going to be a situation where they do need to try and save Henry for that portion as well. So I think there's ways that he can work. And you mentioned the standalone value. So very very interested there we'll move in now to the next portion the mid-range portion of this sean and i did say i was going to take the guy basically at the top of the list every time this is the one where it's not the guy who's at the top of the list so you have four other names to guess you're probably going to guess it straight away you've already mentioned the running back who is uh in front of him here who is my guy in second list so i'm i'm thinking you are going to take Jalen warren that is it. It's Jalen Warren. A lot of the same information that we're after talking there about Spears, I think fits here. And again, it's not to beat on Najee Harris, but in terms of efficiency and what he's done, like he, I think he's been kept going by the the receptions that he got in Ben Roethlisberger's you know fi- final season there. You know, and it's not, that's not repeatable moving forward here. I think with the team taking in Jalen Warren, I think we could see that move happen sooner than people are expecting, and I think again everything that we've seen in the preseason has looked pretty pretty positive the other part sean you note this in the article is in terms of the Steelers and their offensive line last year and run blocking schemes you know and how maybe we'll see warren move in here and, and use some of that efficiency to i i think we could be six weeks into the season and this is no longer a competition to who is the starting running back i think it could straight up just be warren
2: and so when we're talking about making a bet on a backup. I mean, this looks like it could be a pure committee situation because last year Warren was so much more dynamic than Harris. He averaged almost a yard more per attempt simply before contact. Right. And the thing that we've had trouble with, with Harris is his ability to get to and through the offensive line. Despite the tested athleticism, He struggles to make that transition and to get into the secondary where he could really potentially do some damage, you know, kind of in the the mold of a Derrick Henry type, where if he could actually get downhill, then that combination of size and athleticism would potentially be scary for opposing defenses. But he just doesn't get downhill. And one of the ways that we can see that you look at next gen's yards over expected and Harris was the fourth worst qualifying back in the league last year. I mean, was worse than Ezekiel Elliott, and so that's a pretty bad sign for you. I mentioned Jalen Warren's pre-contact ability, and listeners know that that's a big part for me because it does allow you then to get into the secondary. It allows you to have that profile where your yard per carry average could be you know, closer to the five range as opposed to the sub-four range, but it's not the only thing that we're looking for, right? The flip side of that is he broke tackles at almost a 17% rate, which... I mean, those are truly elite numbers. He had a 23% evasion rate, which is going to be at the top of the NFL. Now, to sustain that on a full workload, like you will be getting from guys such as a Nick Chubb, for example, that's a very different thing to try and accomplish. But when Warren was in the game and he was touching the ball, he was one of the best running backs in the entire NFL last season. Now, I don't necessarily think that he can keep that up and that his you know, size athleticism profile is underwhelming. And yet you've got to give him credit for the things he's doing on the field. And we saw that again in preseason with that 62-yard touchdown run. Now, one of the things I would recommend is you know, don't get you know too excited Courage, by that. I mean, it wasn't that great of a 62-yard run. It was almost defensive indifference. <laughs> you have a lot of guys who had the angle on him and kind of ran toward him. There was some quick sand like,
1: on that defensive side of the field, I think. <laughs>
2: there really was. It was a poor job of tackling there. But again, we got the effort from Warren where he finishes the play and he doesn't get slowed down and try and beat like five guys at once by shaking his shoulders. He gets downfield and that's what you want to do. The other element here that you really like is that Pittsburgh's offense could be extremely dynamic. And we think of the step that it looks like Kenny Pickett is taking, but that is going to flow down through all of the skill position players. We could have a ton of goal line snaps for this team. The run blocking last year was good, which was one of the reasons why, Warren was successful. And one of the reasons why it is such a big flag that Najee Harris wasn't, you can pull up our advanced team stats explorer, and this will be something cool for subscribers. You get to look at this all throughout the season to see how teams are playing in so many different categories as the year goes along. But it has a filter specifically for blocking. And then you can pull out run blocking, pass blocking. Pittsburgh was the fifth best team in the NFL last year in terms of run blown block percentage. And they were the seventh best in run blocking points earned per snap. So Warren appears to be in a very favorable situation this year. He's got some standalone value. It does look like it could be a pure committee. The Steelers are actually having to answer a ton of questions about will it be a committee or could it even be a Warren show? They've said very emphatically that no, it's going to be Najee Harris. But I mean, it's a similar kind of dynamic to the Chiefs where, you know, you've got to prop up Clyde Edwards a right up until the point where you've completely given up. This is almost like the quarterback situations where you've got to prop that guy up until you capitulate entirely. We could be close to that point with Najee Harris. Jalen Warren, in that case, would be I mean, I'm, I reference him in this article as being the easiest click in fantasy. I mean, Jalen Warren, if he ends up being the starter, is going to be, you know, a fourth, fifth round value. And that's even without considering, you know, how players can get hurt. And so you have a lot of different ways to win with Jalen Warren.
1: Yeah, and that's the difference. I, I do think with the Henry side of things when we talked previously about Spears. I, I think with out injury, it could be hard for him to force himself to be the lead back over Henry. I think that's going to be very, very challenging. but but I can see a path here for Warren to uh, surpass uh, Harris as the season moves along here. Sean, before we do get into the final part of the list, the top tier guys from five through one, just want to mention over the years the hit rate in terms of who Sean has had on this list and you know there'll be people here who may not be playing fantasy as long as some of these names that we mentioned but there's players here who when they hear these names are going to have you know good feelings flowing through their their bodies i'm sure so 2015 we had Devonte freeman's breakout season 2016 melvin garden 2017 kareem hunt and alvin kamara 2018 james white terry cohen and chris carson 2019 Eckler and miles sanders we had James Robinson and Antonio Gibbs in 2020. James Conner, Devin Singletary, and Rashad Penny, Sean, in 2021. And that, those names, particularly Singletary and Penny, that, that season held a pretty fun time uh, in some of our playoff stretches there with those two guys. So that was a particularly fun one. And last year, we had Kenneth Walker in there, Raheem Mostert, obviously had a nice run. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's legs started to the restless legs. there. He was back moving nice and sharply. And then that we had Tyler Algier over a 1,000 yards. So Sean has been
0: terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: to be my number one pick in this round somebody who we've talked about for many years his price obviously this year has come down to actually fit him into this category which at this point of his career and i can see with the trade happening and things like that where people may want to be out or not as in on deandre swift but in terms of everything that is going for him and moving into this eagles offense and how good we know he can be and has been. And I know there's been some injury issues. He's missed time. Last year, I think people got a lot of dishearten, you know, disheartened watching <laughs> watching as Jamal Williams rushed in for touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. You know, I, I believe at the end of the season he did, did I think he did break Barry Sanders' rushing touchdown record for the Lions as the season went on. So that that was a bit of an anomaly. But we did see Swift even last season break off huge chunk runs. Get you know tackled into the five, tackled into the ten, and then obviously he didn't get into the end zone on those. But you move him into this offense now, which is the best running offense in the NFL. You have so many threats that it is impossible to cut, co- kind of cover them all off. And you have Swift now in a, in a range where you you mentioned, you know, auto picking or pl- the easiest click in fantasy Swift, maybe <laughs> that for me here. Well, we missed out on him in the main event, but we can still say that he's the easiest click.
2: We did miss out. We got his teammate, which emphasizes just how much talent this backfield does have. Because, I mean, the third guy in Kenneth Gainwell is someone who is very trendy right now. Gainwell was on the list last year and was one of the misses. So it's interesting how these players can occasionally hit a year late you got to have them on the year that they score the big points. So that part is always interesting. But we look at Swift and here is a guy who averaged 2.9 yards before contact alone last year. Right? Almost 3 yards just before contact, which, you know, more or less makes him Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette's entire rushing experience. He's the best pre-contact runner in all of football. He's been that for his entire career and because of that i mean he's one of the only backs and i would include jonathan taylor jk dobbins Brees hall you know probably as those guys with the shot to average six yards a carry which is going to give you the chance to put up big numbers on a slightly lesser workload you're going to have those big plays the score touchdowns ideally you're going to have scrimmage yards that inflate the total number again beyond what you're just getting as a rusher those profiles tend to be you know, fairly strongly correlated Swift last season, right? When he comes back from that injury from week 10 on, he only gets 39% of the snaps and still averages over 13 points per game, which is crazy. It's crazy. And you say, well, I mean, the Lions generated a lot of total running back points. That's one of the reasons why we're willing to take the risk on Jameer Gibbs early in drafts, even though he looks to be in, you know, probably a pure committee with David Montgomery. And so some people have questions about that ADP. If you're going to take a guy that early who's in a committee, but the lions potentially put up a huge total number of points. And yet you move over to the Eagles and it's interesting because last season they had the third lowest receiving EP to the running backs. That part isn't good. And yet everything that you've heard from the team this off season is that Swift's addition is specifically to open up that part of the attack to give Jalen hurts an additional weapon to give the offense additional wrinkles. I mean, I think that one of the things that we're looking at here with all of these rushing quarterbacks is that the teams are going to want them to still do that. They're going to want those guys to use the dynamism that they possess to do things like keep drives going the third down value, the fourth down value for these players within the context of offenses and the new, you know, all of the evolution that we've gotten defensively. And Ben and I did some, I went to three or four, stealing bananas episodes on that if anyone is interested but when you think through those things I don't think that the rushing quarterbacks are going to stop rushing by any stretch but I do think they're going to be a little bit more tactical they're going to be a little bit more precision strikes in terms of how they do that and if they can run plays here where we get the ball to DeAndre Swift in space as opposed to having Jalen Hurts take hits that's what you want say well I mean Swift hasn't held up that well that the shoulder injury is an issue the ankle issue All of those types of things with him, he probably is one of the more fragile running backs in the NFL. That's factored into his price, right? So we're looking at that and you think about what the Eagles want, what their incentives are. If they get DeAndre Swift hurt, they have Rashad Penny and Kenneth Gainwell. If they get Jalen Hurts hurt, then their team is simply not going to be competing for the Super Bowl championship in the same way. So you can see what the incentives are there. They talked a lot about that. You look at what Swift brings to the table one of the things that i mentioned here is that last season the lions were fifth worst in blown block percentage on running plays the eagles were second best there are some elements of moving from the lions to the eagles that are not perfect for running back scoring but there are some elements about moving from the lions to the eagles that gives you this chance to be a monster scorer And we think about what Miles Sanders did last year. And Miles Sanders is good. I think he's always been even a tiny bit underrated. But Miles Sanders is not DeAndre Swift. Now, that doesn't mean that DeAndre Swift is going to take his full role. They have more depth this year. They have more playmaking ability. They appear to be more comfortable with Gainwell this year than they were last year. So you want to go into it with eyes wide open. But the ceiling for DeAndre Swift is a back who next year is drafted at the 2-3 turn. When you're getting that in round seven, and round eight, it's very difficult to ignore, in part because when you get a player like that at those prices, you have some other options, right? You've made six other picks. Your entire draft doesn't come down to whether or not DeAndre Swift hits. But if he does hit, your team is going to be very difficult to deal with.
1: One question for you to finish off on DeAndre Swift. When you were doing the list, did it almost feel like it was too easy to have DeAndre Swift? Were you looking at other ways to like see... Should he even qualify because he shouldn't be getting drafted in this spot in the draft?
2: Well, I mentioned in the intro to the final piece that we've always had round six backs on the list before. Because you think about some of the tenants of zero RB, you think about what kind of a soft version of it would be with four wide receivers and an elite tight end. So you've made five picks where you've addressed your starting wide receivers. You've addressed your flex positions. You've addressed that tight end position. So you're going to have a field tilter there. You're going to have that impact tournament winner at tight end. Obviously you could have worked an elite QB into there, but especially in deep intense contests, that's not necessarily what we're always looking to do, but you get through five rounds. And if you then want to make that pick at running back, That's always been very much something that we would still consider zero RB, which even then that's kind of beside the point. We're not trying to draft in a way that like we can say is zero RB. We're trying to win leagues. But this year, the round six guys are so high end and I've made such clear cut arguments for them in individual articles on the site that I didn't want to just rehash that or I didn't want to take the easy way out. And So round seven was the first group that I was really considering for the list this year. And it just it felt too perfect right I and mean, it's, it's the way to finish it is if you can get deandre swift as your number one zero rb candidate for 2023 it just feels like this magical way to wrap up the group there are some other good names in there and i think we're going to have a variety of hits from the list different levels you mentioned some of the guys from the past and it's always interesting to see these players who did have that flash of glory. I mean, James Robinson, somebody who's having a hard time sticking on rosters anymore, but he was the overall running back five. People always think, you know, you can't, these guys who maybe are good, but not great. These guys who are in good situations, but not perfect situations. These guys that are drafted a little bit later, these guys who have a few warts, I mean, maybe they can come through and give you some weekly scores at a time that matters. And that's not to be underestimated. That helps a lot. But we tend to think I mean they can't really go out there and be the true league winners. I mean James Robinson before his injury was that good. The RB5 in 2020. That's just a couple of years ago, right? So it's it's always fun to see some of those names and even for the guys whose careers kind of flashed out too quickly, you love for them that they got to have that moment of glory
1: yeah and it can be a case and what we're looking for here even if it is a flash is to have the impact this year based on adp and how that can work out it's not essentially you mentioned earlier it's not the same as dynasty where we need this to happen every single year another name sean that we kind of fit in with that would be philip Lindsay. he kind of come in with a, a rocket strapped to his back but again when you are that undrafted player or if you have injuries the chances are a little bit limited and when the competition Comes in of higher draft capital, and that can be very, very challenging long term in their career. But exciting, exciting, exciting to talk through the list today. I will be linking all three pieces in the show notes for this episode. So if you haven't checked them out yet, I'm sure all the subscribers at this point have read through them. But if you haven't, head on over and check those out. I did mention make sure you are following along on Twitter. I can't promise that this will happen. We're trying to do something pretty exciting. That will be over on the road of his youtube side of things potentially over this coming weekend so do stay tuned for that my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out all sean's work up on roadofhis.com. and until we are back have a good one